Hey friends, this is Chris from Seek and Strike Collective, and we'd like to wish all the moms a happy Mother's Day. I'd like to send a special Mother's Day shout out to my mom. Hey mom, I hope you enjoyed your card and your gift, and I look forward to spending some time online with you today to play games. As promised, we are back for part two of this two-part series titled Bandwagon or Bust. But before we kick things off, let's remind you of where we left off. Seems like there's a lot of movement in the world of soccer today, which I'm sure were you guys kind of happy with the league's announcements around the around the world? Even though it's gonna be closed venue, I certainly don't mind that because I want sports back. I don't know how to parse out what's in the true hearts and mind of those mid-table teams. You know, get to some matches maybe at the end of the season in person. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy the second part of this series titled Bandwagon or Bust. Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. So let's move into Bundesliga as you were, we were kind of talking. So uh, they currently, um, when I looked this morning, uh, they were looking to be back uh, May 22nd. It, it, at first it was reported May 15th, but apparently they do need two weeks for quarantine. Um, so they're looking at either May 22nd or May 29th uh, to come back. And they're basically, they were saying that like, uh, you know, they would start up on the 26th, mat, the 26th match day and uh there was some discussion about not starting up right where they left off but perhaps like reversing the schedule so playing it from the back end and and that seems like it drew some some confusion because of any suspensions that were needed to be served you know on that next match right if they were playing the schedule right side right side forward that if they flipped it then would they have to wait until the very end to serve the suspension. So, I mean, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, do you think it's good that they would flip the schedule? Maybe that's a way to kind of, and obviously it seems like it kills some momentum, right? But everyone's starting from scratch. So, I mean, what, what, what's your take on that, on how to play the schedule out at this point? Alicia, this one's all on you. Oh God. Um, <laughs> You know, I just think they should just pick up where they left off. I, I, restarting and starting from scratch just doesn't necessarily make sense to me. It, it would be like us, you know, like the USL, what they played like one or two games already, like each team. And it makes sense for us to, you know, pick up and, um, 
from where we left off. And with them too, like they just shouldn't start from scratch because those games that they played before, do do they not mean anything anymore? It's just to me, it just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I feel like it's an extra variable that doesn't necessarily need to be introduced. You know, COVID is an unfortunate, terrible circumstance that has happened to each team. And each team has had this amount of time. Now there's the only weird situation is some player or some sides have played one more game than a few of the other sides, right? Uh, depending on the league. And that's not exactly fair. Um, but I don't know how, I mean, like there's, there's a lot of variables on, in any given campaign that happened that we don't ever know about, you know, someone gets sick or someone's hurt or injured and they don't put it on the injury list or something like that. Cause they just don't want to broadcast it or someone gets into a fight with their family and it really affects their gameplay. Like those things do happen. And uh, obviously this is bigger. This is something we're all noticing, but all those types of variables affect uh, aside success, any given season. And, I, I don't think we want to introduce extra variables like starting backwards. I think that you want to, I mean, the season is played out a certain way. It's scheduled a certain way because of the, the days you have available to your stadium, if you share a stadium or, or things like that. Uh, so that's true, but it's also about the fact that you want to play, you know, one side, uh, you know, when, when New Mexico United plays El Paso in the middle of the season and then they wait like a certain amount of time and play them again in the middle of the season, that kind of spacing out, I think, makes some good sense. So I, I think they should keep the season just in the same order for really any league. Do you think the suspension should play out right on the spot? So right when they get back, some folks are going to obviously have a little bit longer of a waiting period to get on the pitch? I don't see why not. Again, that's just an extra variable. Like they earned their suspension, you know, fair or unfair, they were going to get it either way. So then, then you just, you know, you sit, you sit on the side or you don't go to that match. I, I think, in, you know, just let them on the, let them on the pitch, let them on the, let them on the bench instead of keeping them out of the stadium because they're going to be playing in three days anyway. So let them be with with their team members this time. Maybe that's an exception to make, but let's just let it go. Let's let's do it the way it was planned. It seems like we might be getting a face full of soccer too, just because of the fact that you know, as they're trying to stick with um, the scheduling, we can we already know that there are going to be some um, some you know uh, weeks where there's two matches or where they're sticking them in there in the middle. So. You know, maybe one of the, the beautiful things of us all um, working from home is when you take your lunch break, uh, that you can actually turn on the tube and uh, and watch some soccer. You don't have to worry about trying to, you know, miss half and half of the match, you know, just get into the venue only to get your lunch to go and say bye. Oh, <laughs> uh, God, that is, that is the struggle. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's really great that people will be able to get to take their long lunches, but... Also, really, you know, for the sides in their own home countries, they can. There's not going to be a lot of football going on, right? So the Bundesliga getting a head start. It looks like La Liga wants to try to jump on that bandwagon as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, you're gonna Bundesliga is gonna get a lot of new fans. There's a lot of people in the states that aren't watching Bundesliga, and now they will be. And we're gonna be picking new teams. And you know, I, I think the way that 
Uh, NBC has done well with Premier League here. You know, the I think what is this Fox Sports One that covers Bundesliga. Um, I don't watch much Bundesliga myself. I'll catch the game every two weeks or something like that. But but we're, but we're going to. But we're going to now. We're <laughs> we're all Bundesliga now. I think we'll say. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> to speak to that point, you know, before before soccer went away, we were all uh, uh, Indian Super League fans too we were we were any soccer that was on fans we were picking any team so um nonetheless i guess when it comes back we're all gonna have to i mean i've already got my team like I, i'm apparently gonna be in the stands at Gladbach. so i mean you know not not too bad not too bad right but um but then so let's talk more then uh in in this thing with bundesliga so then they're saying only 322 people will be allowed uh, into the stadium, and then of course for the second league, 270, and they went out to detail that to say that that basically is just players, coaches, referees, journalists, uh, TV cameramen, uh, doping control officers, stewards, security groundsmen, and, and ball boys, and and they talked about how that 322 um, personnel and and players and such uh, that that they would be broken into different phases of the stadium. There'd be some people that are obviously, you know, on the pitch, right. And around the pitch. And then there's some folks that are going to be in the stands and then some that are probably in the concourse or outside of the stadium. And I thought outside of the stadium, that has to be kind of written incorrectly because I can't imagine folks just posting up outside of the stadium. So it's got to be like in the concourse is probably what they, you know, like concessions, you know what I mean? So, I mean, what, you know, I thought, and, I, and I'm thinking like, you know, the way that we're doing things here in the States, you know, if we're looking towards some of the different methods that are happening out um, abroad, you know, and we've heard, uh, you know, we've heard Peter, we've heard, you know, maybe league officials say this, we've heard them say, oh, well, you know, it, it'll be closed venue or, hey, there might be some people at first, you know, and, and, and my season ticket holder mentality came up and I thought, oh, well, they should have the season ticket holders, but I mean that we're talking like several thousand season ticket holders, I believe, for United. So I'm not sure if if that's the phase they go to, or if they just kind of go to more of that that closed door um, atmosphere that Bundesliga is talking about, where they've got all the right people there to necessarily, you know, bring you coverage and you know bring you uh, podcasts or blogs or you know any sort of analysis you know the things that kind of keep you engaged from your your living room yeah you know i think if it were to come down to that i believe peter should do that you know bring in who is necessary not you know no fans for right now because you know season ticket holders we do have quite a bit of them and to be able you know to like you know maintain your six feet and like wear masks and stuff it's just gonna be a little bit chaotic because then you're gonna need more people in the stadium you know you're gonna need security office uh security or uh, police officers you know watching the people make sure they're in their little designated area make sure nobody's getting close it's just gonna add more people than it really should so if you truly want to see like your team play, I think it's just better, you know, to keep it to the players, you know, the refs, the ball boys, uh, the coaches and a uh, journalist. Yeah, I think we've got to keep it really low. Um, 
I don't think it makes any sense to like to bring in season ticket holders or 200 people. Like you can do it. You can space out maybe like a grand or two grand of people, but like why? Um, we've like uh, we were talking about this um, in a second uh, today, and it was kind of like you know I don't know for me myself I can I can swing it you know because I am working and that kind of thing so I don't want to put this pressure on anybody else but. Like, I, I don't want to give back my season ticket money, even if I don't get to watch a game in person. Um, but I, I just don't think it's the safest thing to do, at least until, you know, late, late summer. And maybe we, we'd see, like, the really big decline. So, like, um, the truth is, is I think we want to pay attention to safety. We don't want an outbreak from a New Mexico United game. You know, maybe we couldn't trace it back to that, but, you know, there'd be so many people there. You kind of could. I, I think it's if I think that if we can have New Mexico United games without supporters in the stands, if they can financially swing that, we've got to be really, really lucky. Because I for me, I didn't think that that was like even possible. Uh, people asking me about if the season was going to happen. I said, no way. Like there's just not enough revenue. And I, I looked into the revenue of, uh, from ESPN to USL championship. And I read that it's about low, the deal is low seven figures. So like we're talking one, two, $3 million towards all 35 sides, um, in the USL championship. That's not a lot of money. We're talking like 28,000 per million to a side, you know, that's not even covering one, player's salary so the tv venue is not a lot i think that maybe the usl sides are thinking maybe we'll just do this to not lose fan base and maybe we're going to take a loss this year a big loss and, and speaking of salary you know definitely folks gotta gotta make that money we know uh jeremy we're gonna send you on a food on a food run man because you know when we're, we're in these stadiums that are empty, we're going to need someone to be able to go and uh, and grab the pretzels and, and the sodas. So uh, so why don't we go ahead and let you uh, go run and grab some food for us, and then we'll uh, bring you back on this conversation here in a little bit. Um, Alicia, so just to kind of pick up where we left off with this with Bundesliga, uh, they're also talking about, um, you know, uh, the, the leagues basically selling the rights uh, or the licensing to be able to um, – have these games be free to air. So being on channels that everyone can watch, because obviously, you know, not everyone has uh, the, the paywall apps or pay-per-view to watch these matches. And they're talking about doing that uh, because they want to kind of prevent uh, folks from the mass gatherings at the pubs. Cause you know, for the most part, you know, their country is kind of is reopened, you know? And so, you know, they want to like, you know, try to avoid, the the urge so i mean what's your what's your take i mean obviously here you know we know koat seven showed a match and and we know that uh that other channels last year had done that as well i mean do you think it's a good look for the league to ultimately kind of work with the local channels as far as making the the matches available because i mean for us it's espn 
if you know if they can get a way around that and work with those networks to be able to provide it to us for free would be you know kind of it would be really great of them to do that you know it's also like you said it's kind of declining you know the big gatherings and getting together with friends and knowing that you know you can also watch it from the comfort from your own home and also the fan base uh they wouldn't lose that fan base that we have because if it was just espn plus you know people a lot of people aren't going to really pay for that in reality and then again if they have a friend who has espn plus you know they're going to be like yo can i come over and watch the game with you when they shouldn't really be doing that in the first place so if if they can do that that that'll be really great because last season they got to televise the the united home games in spanish for free for the spanish viewers so i thought that was really great of them to do that well welcome back jeremy did you uh you know were the lines short at the beer line or what um well you know star is really good to me so i was able to get over there pretty quickly i got some pizza and a growler and uh and really, I just got some, I got an egg. Sorry, guys, I'm starving. And I also, uh, I worked all day. I went to work at 6.30 and I just got back in time for this. So I just went and got some hard-boiled eggs. Right on, right on. Um, we, we were just talking about the fact that uh, Bundesliga's, uh, you know, they're looking to obviously work with uh, the, the league or the local channels more or less as far as making the the matches available free to air so we can kind of prevent folks from gathering in their local pubs um you know and yeah, I, I, oh, go I ahead. think that's great for big leagues um i think for usl i hope they have a little bit of a paywall um really inexpensive or maybe like a donation kind of thing um i, I don't think you know my brother and I talk about this kind of thing all the time. Like New Mexico United is not a charity. It is not a, it is not a nonprofit, but you know, we do have a lot of people that bring us a lot of joy and a lot of entertainment. They bring us together. They create community for us and they cannot do it without our support. So I think something reasonable isn't so bad. Um, and I see why the big leagues don't want to pay for it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They can allow people to have it for free, but I don't know. I'm kind of like maybe USL can't afford to give it for free. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I would, I would kind of wonder about that. I mean, I mean, just think about how the, uh, how the rocket league uh, competition was done. It was showing on, um, I think it was showing on like ESPN three or, uh, on their esports of the app, but it wasn't like it wasn't behind the paywall. Do you know what I'm saying? So they obviously, if they want to allow folks to watch the broadcast and obviously to to buy the merchandise and to to keep them long, longer, they're gonna. I think the league is gonna look for things that right now maybe seem like um, a seedling, you know, that will lead to profit later. Because I mean, they still have to worry about growth. I mean, they were they have really had a boom lately. And so that's allowed them to do things like, you know, launch academies or talk about bringing in a women's side, you know, things that maybe 10 years ago didn't really work for them as well. Yeah. Um, so now they have to think about 
what can we do to pay it forward? Because these folks are going to obviously be here, you know? So I think that, you know, really, you know, the, it, I think the spotlight is kind of on USL championship and the clubs and, and, you know, the owners, as far as what they'll do to, um, to pay it forward, you know, at this point. Um, and again, you know, like cl- clubs here that have their own stadium, you know, I wonder how fast they may be trying to adopt Gladbox strategy of having yeah. uh, installations, you know what I mean? So that TV looks looks beautiful because we know, you know, at Isotopes, you know, the the view that ESPN shows, there's always the uh, the J.J. Abrams lens flare that, that pops up, you know, when you, <laughs> when, you, when you re-watch the match, you know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, the game's, game's always got that sun glare there, but I, I wonder if other teams will kind of jump on board with that. Yeah, I, I want like there's got to be some kind of added content piece, you know. So maybe, maybe it's still on ESPN Plus. You're still gonna have to pay for that. Uh, we know that we can't. Uh, USL sides, at least New Mexico United, knows that we can't gather at bars here in New Mexico. Uh, so that's not gonna be a risk to, to to fans. However, maybe they can have if they can't afford the cutouts maybe they can do the cutouts if they can't afford the the music or the i'm sorry the crowd noise being streamed in the stadium maybe they can do like uh like a patreon style uh you know group chat uh or group chat rooms you could have 30 40 group chat rooms and it'll be like you know walking between like like the suites upstairs or something and and seeing who you know in each of them and while you watch the match. So that would be a really great way to do it. Um, something to give added content instead of saying, you know, we're going to take it away. We're going to make ESPN plus more expensive because we need to pay the revenue. How about those of you that can't afford it, pay for some little extra stuff. And that could be kind of fun. Um, but you know, in any business environment, you have a volatile business market and the people that are most fleet of foot, that are most flexible, that adaptable are going to do the best. And I, I think our New Mexico United front office is, you know, we've seen them to be really creative. They've provided a lot of venue for us to to meet. None of us knew each other a year and a half ago, right? Right. And, and, now, and now we're all really great friends. And... I think that they can rise to the challenge, and you know, if 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 they need some ideas, I'm sure the Curse family out there will help them come up with them. Right on. So then, let's talk a little bit about La Liga. You kind of talked about it. They're obviously trying to come back in June. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting there is that the president uh, of La Liga was saying that they expected at least 30 pros to test positive, and that uh, that still that. Um, won't halt their plans to restart. I mean, the exact words were they were not going to dramatize uh, pros turning uh, testing positive. So <laughs> obviously, they're you know they're not going to try to overplay it or make it a reason. Um, you know, and that that's got to be interesting because obviously, I mean, you have to do you have to think about that. But um, what what's your take on that? You know. Uh... I think it's better to not really dramatize if a player has tested positive because, you know, people want their privacy. And if, you know, they did test positive, 
like if I tested positive, I wouldn't want, you know, the whole world knowing because they're going to be like, oh, well, then this person has it. This person has it because I'm pretty sure they already taken those precautions about other players and keeping other people around them safe. And also kind of like speaking on La Liga, because I know we're going to touch that here in a bit, but they I know they just started kind of resuming individual training and i think it's kind of looking like you know like a little glimpse of hope that they're gonna get into team training and then hopefully here soon um you know games and closed venue once again yeah they um the the thing i read too was that uh one of the sides uh ibar or a bar however you say that mm-hmm. um, was it I think it's Ibar. Ibar. So they were, they actually like, they had a statement from their club. So it was like the squad and the technical staff. And they were very hesitant to train because, uh, you know, they obviously worried about, you know, contracting the virus and, and, and contributing to a, a second push of it and affecting their families. And, you know, and, and when I, when I read that, I was like, you know, again, this is that, this is that player's health, you know, dynamic. This is the, Hey, like we're not we're not just a one trick pony, you know. We don't we don't want to just go out here on this this stand because you want to make money. We're human beings, you know, and so um, there's that vantage point. But you know, of course, the press was very quick to kind of link to them that they were a club that was nearing the relegation zone, and that you know what I mean. And and I. I wanted to keep searching through the various leagues to say, okay, well, to see if that was so much of a pattern. Do you know what I mean? If, and obviously, like there is some of it, but again, like I, I'm not those players. I don't know, but it, what was interesting was the the squad and the technical staff really had that sort of concern, whereas the owners and the president of that club, they had no recollection that that had happened because it wasn't on the actual website uh, of the club. So to me, like, I think that that was cool that a a squad spoke up that way. I don't really know, um, you know, if, if the ownership group, you know, tactfully was behind that in that regard, or if that really is something that will play out with, with Ibar. Um, But most of these leagues, I mean, according to La Liga, I mean, they, they have a pretty strict protocol. They're talking about, you know, food being delivered to players who should only go out for training. And if they live with players, they should isolate. And if and they should train in groups, the group should be like of eight and there should be no switching. And you know what I mean? And that the play would be behind closed doors. So it's like everywhere we're looking, they're taking some strict protocol, you know, for things. I, I, I think that people just have to kind of obviously adhere to what's being placed out as a provision for them and kind of trust the process a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like this means that each of you is responsible for yourself and also your others. You know what I mean? You, you gotta really take it serious, you know? And I mean, you've gone over a month, not playing, the beautiful game that you love now that you have a chance to have it back, wouldn't you be very delicate with such a gift? Yeah. You you should really take, you know, like every single precaution, like, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry, because 
the moment we get it back, it could be snatched away from us any second, you know, any day. And, you know, we're going to be like, oh, well, we should have done this. We should have done that. And this is where, you know, you have to really think things out, like every single little detail before putting, you know, that plan into action. And, you know, with La Liga, I kind of want to give a shout out to the Real Madrid players because they all compromised in, you know, cutting, you know, their salary, their wages to be able to help those other employees who, you know, who have lost income during this pandemic. Well, let's, let's jump across to uh, Liga, Liga MX. Um, so Liga MX is saying that they're kind of looking to maybe come back um, in July. Um, they're saying that, you know, they're kind of gauging their return based on um, the school's uh, return. And, and ultimately, um, it's looking like their 2020 clausura, um, if they're hoping for that to start in July, then they're saying that uh, obviously the the apertura that uh, uh, that normally starts in July would have to be pushed back. You know, um, one thing that they're trying to do obviously is, you know, maybe look at how they can schedule it because you know they're they're looking at seven rounds plus the playoffs for the clausura. Um, so with a with a league that obviously has like you know two two parts of the season. I mean, how do you see something like this playing out? Like, do you think this is going to benefit in the long run for them? Do you think that they're going to have to maybe um, condense the way they, they do this or maybe consider canceling one of the halves? Uh, you know, with uh, Liga Amerikis, the way have, how Mexico has been dealing with this whole pandemic – They've honestly been doing really, really great. They, you know, shut down as much as they could as soon as we shut down. And they really didn't have any cases at that time like we did. And I know, I I believe it's in Mexico City where kind of like the main games are played in the Estadio Azteca. And um, I know that they're, you know, disinfecting the streets and, you know, disinfecting everything, you know, that is touched to the best of their ability. And... As soon I know before the pandemic, it got really bad here in the U.S. Uh, Cruz Azul had a game here, and as soon as that hit, you know the Cruz Azul, um, the owners and the coaches, they said, you know what? No, we're not going. So they caught the next flight back home, and I believe that that they're doing such a great job about it that I kind of do see them playing here in a couple of months and canceling both, like one or both halves it's just really gonna be the decision when of the time when it gets there because we don't really know what's gonna happen here from two to three months could they get worse or you know could they get better because of how great they're doing right now it's just i really can't see that far uh, to make a decision right and so then uh league one just basically uh this is this is the France League, right? They basically just canceled the season. Just, mm -hmm. you know, boom, Paris Saint-Germain just crowned champions. Uh, do you think that that ultimately was the right thing for them to do? Do you think that maybe they, you know, do you think that they acted, I guess, maybe too fast, not looking at how things would, would pan out for the rest of these other leagues that are kind of maybe taking a little bit more of a short-up approach? God, you know, 
I, I didn't have much to comment on for Liga MX because um, I don't follow much. So thank you, Alicia. I, I learned a lot from that. I appreciate it. Um, as far as uh, League One in France, I was incredibly surprised at how quickly they shut down. To contrast that with the Dutch League, the Dutch League makes a little bit more sense to me because of the revenue streams, etc. You know, most of the leagues have played a lot of games. Liga MX is different than that because of the different uh, schedule, right? So, you know, like most of most of the big leagues have played around 28, 29 games, something like that. So, so most of the season is over, folks. Like we, you know, we obviously have a lot of like Champions League stuff, and you know, but we even played some of the league the the. Uh, international cups and stuff already so we're, those have been played out so uh i really am completely surprised by league one uh, i i actually i think i read that article early in the morning and i kind of did the head shake thing and uh you know made myself read it again i i don't i think they do i think they did close down too soon i don't think france is having as big of an issue with it with COVID as like Spain, for instance, uh, Spain, I, I think it is really great for them to be paying attention to their players, et cetera, because Spain is not handling it as well as a lot of other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, big surprise. I wonder if they're going to regret it, but it's already been done now. They, they, they announced the award awarding of the, of the crown of the cup and it's done. So now, Let's talk about Italy Syria. So, you know, I I think that if there is if there's a, f- a favorite like uh, personality, it's got to be the prime minister. You know, he's like, I'm not ready to talk about it. We're, we're not we're not talking about it. this is not a thing. This is not a thing. You know, and you know, and they're, right now they're just kind of sitting there. Just I think they're going to kind of wait to see how how everything else plays out. How all of these different leagues like come back and maybe that's maybe that's a smart move maybe it's like you know what like no one's in a rush here you know we want to do it right so let's just see you know let's see how these other leagues do it you know i don't i don't know if anyone's necessarily looking to to us here in the states because you know obviously we're we're very liberal in some instances with some of the things we're doing um but maybe we can be a model you know uh you know, I would love for even New Mexico United, like just a state within the country, you know, the other things we've modeled, obviously, with flattening the curve that maybe even our team and the way our ownership group, you know, plays out along the league. Maybe that'll maybe that'll be something that that a club will be like, hey, you know, let's just check out this other club. They're, they're doing some other things in other news with COVID. Let's see how they, they handle this. Um, but Serie A is just saying, like, you know, we're not ready to talk about it. So, you know, I think, I think again, like he's stacking his chips differently. I have, I don't know if you guys have gotten to watch any of like the mayors in, uh, and maybe that's not the right term. I'm I'm not aware of the political structure of Italy per se, but like, like the mayors of some of the cities are going out into like the community and just literally laying it on people, not social distancing. And I mean, saying things that I cannot repeat on this podcast. We have <laughs> lots of cursitos listening, hopefully. Um, yeah. 
but those were hilarious, but also sincere and serious. Well, before we had like a lot of cases in the States, this went down and I like the situation they're in. And then let's just consider the fact that in Italy, COVID is happening, you know, more in the more Northern areas of the state of the, of the country. Where's that Milan, you know, like inter Milan, like some of, some of the big sides are going to be affected by that. Um, obviously Roma's down, down South a bit, but, um, I, I think they're right to do it. And I think, you know, bravo to them in their Italian style, putting it down like it is. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you seriously need to hear that harsh truth to like, you know, to be able to like, you know, like snap out of it and, you know, like you take a step back and realize what you're doing is not right. So, Hey, maybe we need some of that here too. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, just the way it is. I just want to give a shout out to those who are, who are still with us. You know, it's our first time obviously going live this year. So, um, you know, you're getting to get it in a full segment when we produce it, it'll be part one and two. So, uh, don't worry. We'll make sure that you can, uh, that you can have a, a, an enjoyable halves of, of the pod. Um, so kind of, I guess we've talked about a lot here, right? We've talked about uh, the main issues that have surrounded all of these leagues are, you know, from one vantage point, obviously promotion relegation, the teams that, you know, didn't have as great of luck, you know, through most of the season being like, hey, like we're, we're on the brink. Of, of not making it. I think what was interesting about Liga MX is that they actually had already uh, suspended promotion relegation for like five years. So that obviously is not in part of the conversation. And I, I think, and I know that what Premier League is talking about because they're supposed to be meeting next week is, you know, if they take promotion relegation off the table, you know, or the, the way they first introduced it was, Promotion could happen, but relegation wouldn't. So then all of a sudden you'd have 23 teams, you know, which would mean like, you know, a much different schedule and, you know, more matches being played, you know, but I think that if, if they can take off uh, promotion relegation in this one instance, that they're going to obviously win over at least, um, what is it? Uh, uh, 17 of the teams because I'm sure yeah. that's a little bit of the concern. If they, if they could do that, um, that's going to be one thing that's obviously going to be like a win-win probably in that situation. And then I think that, you know, I don't think that they're going to really have much to do with, you know, the neutral site. I think that just has to be something that, that people have to kind of live with. I, I, you know, these players are going to be shacked up like in hotels, sequestered, as, as we talked about earlier, they're not going to really have any contact with their family. So that's got to be rough because they've been at home just, you know, with their family. So now they're going to be like in some remote spot. Um, but these are the things that are out there. So like, you know, promotion, relegation, uh, neutral sites and players health being really what should be the most important thing of all is now let's come back to the States. Let's come back to USL championship. We know that today they said that players are going to be able to start training in like groups of four, um, which is, which seems like significantly less than, you know, what these other leagues have done. But I mean, obviously that's probably more because of that's, that's a, that's a safer way to do it. You know, you don't, eight is a lot, you know what I mean? That's a lot of bodies 
to put around each other. So four, and you know, obviously these they've already been doing that. You know, they're they're bunked up as in a pair. So it's like, hey, now I get to see two more of my friends, right? Um, I mean, how were you like really excited about the fact that that now there'd be some news from USL Championship and that it looks like, hey, now they can start training again? Yeah, I was really excited when I heard about that. I was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, there's hope for this league still, like, to go on because I know some, because I know, like, what Jeremy was saying, we, we really need that fan interview to, you know, to be able to get the league up and going because we're still, even though we have so many fans throughout the whole USL championship, it just still doesn't compare to the bigger leagues. We're still really small and it just, you know, having them train, it's like, well, can we see ourselves playing in July? Like they said, so. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like all these issues are going to play out here. They have to, I mean, that's just this, the it's, you know, we've already uncovered it. It's the consistency of such. I mean, you know, of course the season's barely beginning. So there's not going to be any talks about promotion or when we don't even have promotion relegation. Dare I say it? And we smack yeah. myself all the times we talk one about day, it. One day, probably not. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, we're always talking about it on the internet. You swear we have it, but we don't. So that's obviously not an issue. So then you go to, you know, neutral sites, you know, something Peter had kind of thrown out there. And I mean, I think they had already kind of explored that when they were thinking about, uh, New Mexico United U23 and playing in these other sites, you know, other other towns. Of course, that mission was maybe mainly to bring soccer across the state of New Mexico. But, you know, I think it's really cool to see how other ideas that these clubs have or other initiatives that they have are now like things that they can reach into their wheelhouse and kind of use. So neutral sites doesn't seem too bad. Of, of an option. I mean, obviously, if we're not going to get to go to the stadium anyways, then to me, like, you know, I mean, I guess that's just one less thing. I mean, do you think that that hurts our our area locale as far as if they pick up and go play, I don't know, like just somewhere else? Like, you know what I mean? They're playing their home games in, in a remote location in New Mexico. I, I think – that it's just the smart thing to do. Um, you know, you have players in the USL championship that have other jobs and they balance that life. And that's something real to be considered. I, you know, maybe most of them aren't working that much right now. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but that's something to be brought up. But I mean, like everybody shipping off and kind of going to like a camp like a, a pre-training camp base or preseason camp and playing, you know, a, a shorter stint of games. Uh, something that I'd want to bring up is, you know, like with shorter stints of games, more substitutions uh, per match. And I know that's a, that's a big contentious point, but I, I fight that one to the death all the time, but letting, letting more substitutions happen letting games happen again every two or three days if they're in a, in one spot it's like a it's like a road trip um and yeah i think that's a really good idea i i don't know i think unfortunately with usl championship they are more hamstrung by again the lack of tv deals to be as creative 
Um, again, they can create some new content to, to upsell people, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do as many things as the big leagues are going to be able to do. So neutral sites, a more compact schedule is a really great thing. Um, and then kind of getting back to some of the other leagues, again, they only have to play like nine games to finish the season. Right. Uh, yeah, right. USL has got a lot of, a lot of season left. We only played one match, you know, <laughs> got it. like we played one match this, this, this campaign. So uh, really kind of consolidating some when a lot of us are at home and can watch the game that night, you know, that, that sounds kind of fun. You know, we're, wa we're watching a lot of other junk. If you're going to watch Tiger King, you better, better as hell be able to watch three United games a week. That's right. <laughs> and you better be able to make the group picture uh, for the scarves. Like, you, you know, like there better be like, the Brady Bunch squares with everyone holding up their scarf or, or flag. You know what I mean? There should be no, no excuse. Right. Um, but yeah, just that's what I was kind of like wanted to kind of jump into is like, you know, I mean, we know that, that the article we've read in the journal or that Tim Keller was saying that, you know, don't expect to see anything in person or don't expect to see them before, before July, you know? And, and, that was for them to play or was that just for us to be able to actually potentially go to the stadium? I believe it was going to the stadium. Stadium, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. And um, I actually went to, went to school with the, the mayor. We didn't know each other much at all, but you were uh, that other guy in the corner, right? Yeah, was I was the other guy in the corner. Yeah. You're probably um, talking all kinds of crap. This guy's loser. No, he, he he was he was a really nice guy. He um. Anyway, yeah, he he always <laughs> jokes. He always jokes that he didn't make the soccer team, um. But how he's mayor, so he wins. Um, I think I think that Mayor Keller is is really conscientious of the players, really conscientious of the safety of New Mexico citizens, Albuquerque citizens, and I think. I think him saying that July as an in-person game was probably him being very, very hopeful. And I don't think when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the numbers or we, wherever we are as a country or wherever we are as a state, I don't think in-person's happening in July. Especially because of how they're talking about like concerts, you know, you're hearing some like mass concerts, not being able to really kind of happen to like August in some places. You know, I mean, and we pack a lot of folks. It's not like we're just packing like 2000, like the switchbacks, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can we just can we just like refocus on that? Like we killed the uh, the um, attendance rates last year. Like, God, what was it? Indy 11? Was it like 11,000 or something or 10,000? Yeah. I think Yeah. they're pretty close to us. But and I was I was looking at the attendance records the low end of the USL over the years, over the last decade. And there were some that averaged like 200, 300 supporters in the stands. And our first year, like, you know, we have a lot of momentum going. Um, and, you know, it's hard to have that momentum kind of stymied in a way or inhibited in a way this year. But I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that we can keep pushing that. And, you know, we're just going to have to wait a little longer for in-person. Um, 
luckily there's a lot of season left and you know like we have to be considering the fact that you know the usl season could go into the fall and go into a second wave of covid and have to pause again so a condensed season when people are still home i think is a really big bonus like let's play three three games a week while people are staying home and they can watch it right when people start getting to work a little bit more then then they're not going to be able to watch three games a week maybe they're going to have to you know just make mac and cheese for the kids and put them in the corner or something i don't know (laughs) i mean honestly like you never know it it, we could just end up playing every team once and then boom all of a sudden something happens or maybe the league decides you know what like that idea that that rj montano brought up you know about you know hey just playing everyone one time and you know and, and and maybe doing it regionally something like that might be what they have to think about i'm pretty sure their USL is not going into this like, okay, let's just have our normal process. There has to be people that have sat and thought about, okay, if we only get to play 17 matches, you know, do we just kind of boom, take that record, you know, and kind of do what the Prem does, you know what I mean? And just, you know, declare, declare a winner that way. I mean, you know, I mean, you just never know. And so I, I think that, that's probably some of the talks that these, these owners, presidents, you know, these front offices are going to have, you know, right now just getting things started is going to take a lot of eyes off of what they need to do. Right. Because the players are going to be doing that and people are going to be kind of focused on that. Um, I'd hope for us, the gumshoes of the, uh, of the, the media that we would be kind of looking closer to, um, all these issues that we've kind of addressed tonight because by no means do I think that they'll be resolved just in one or two articles. I think that they're going to be developing more and more and we really will have to hit up Lindsay and have her uh, really tune in and give her and give us uh, her best reaction, um, you know, for the return of soccer uh, season one. Um, I think it'd be, it'd be very interesting. So um you know, we've talked definitely a lot about the different leagues and obviously, you know, ours is one that they just came out with so much news today. I feel we'll definitely be talking more about some of the other news that the USL um, has dropped out today um, in our in our next episode uh, of this podcast. We'll, you know, uh, what we want to kind of do now is kind of shift a little bit uh, to kind of close it out, talk about New Mexico United community, uh, which I think is a real value uh, for us all here. Again, like Jeremy said, we didn't have all these friendships a year and a half ago. So, I mean, looking at um, something that was done the other day, we had the gratitude parade. Uh, Alicia, I know that you went to that, right? So um, how was that experience for you and anything cool that you want to tell us about? Um, you know, that gratitude parade was something, you know, very touching and, you know, getting to see the healthcare workers outside, you know, waving and smiling. And it just really touched my heart knowing that they felt appreciated for what they do, because they're there, they're in the front lines, they're 
they're at risk every single day and putting their life on the line to be able to help to save us. And, you know, that's something that they really don't get appreciated for that much. And, you know, a shout out to all the healthcare workers. And it's just something that we really need to be grateful for them. And there was three routes. The first one was UNM Hospital. The second one was, I believe it was Love Loveless. And the third one was Presbyterian. And out of all of them, there's so many healthcare workers outside. And there was even a surgeon from the heart hospital who was running down the sidewalk, taking video of everyone saying, you know, thank you and smiling. And, you know, it really made everyone feel really good about themselves. And you can tell like people were kind of getting a little bit teary eyed. And I, I know a healthcare worker from Presbyterian had, uh, I believe Peter assigned their scrubs. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty sick. That is really sick that he signed their scrubs. I think, like, uh, I do know a lot of healthcare workers. Um, obviously, I work in a hospital, and so um, <clears throat> they don't get thanks all the time, you know. And I actually made an announcement today at our hospital for Nurses Week, and you know, was just saying something nice about nurses, and all the patients started clapping, just you know, not in appreciation of what I said, but in appreciation of the nurses helping them out. Right. And um, because that's basically what I was saying. And so, um, you know, the nurses walked out uh, at the same time I did at the end of the, the shift and they were like, wow, they were clapping for us. And and it really like got me because I thought like, you know, that wasn't a lot, you know, we didn't do a lot. Like I didn't do a lot today. I made it like a bit of an announcement, right? And, and the parade, it was, it definitely took time out of people's day. It definitely, you know, people made signs and that took some time, definitely more than my, my little announcement. So, but it made such a big impact. I mean, Graham from 505 Reds is, is a hospital worker. He's an RN. Um, Shout out to Graham. And, yeah. And Graham was really appreciative. He was texting me during, um, I, you guys, you, you can't imagine like having to think about that kind of thing. Uh, the the hospital workers that have to decide whether to go home to their family or whatnot. Um, it's it's a big decision to make. Um, I think that you know we have to be really careful in how we talk about all these things and sports and such. And and I was gonna just kind of mention to you guys as you go along is the. Uh, as the press, so to speak, it'd be really good for you guys to also pay attention to, you know, the feeling that players have going out there on the pitch and maybe showcasing some some opinions that maybe aren't the most popular or more or difficult to have um, and having people represent them as well. And, and that's, you know, the, the risk that healthcare workers are putting themselves out every day, knowing that someone that they're dealing with um, it has COVID and, and they are saving that person's life or maybe not saving that person's life that day. That that emotional toll it takes right. on people is is intense. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that is on the front lines in that in that capacity. Right on. Yeah, and, I, and I, other thing I wanted to uh, just kind of bring up is the the, the bake it forward. Um, you know, I I alluded to it earlier. David Carl's. Uh, 
bake it forward experience. Right. So like he basically <laughs> like posted this like 20 step meme. So a 20 step meme. Oh, good. That pie looks so good. And I mean, Andrew Bolte put it best. How many limes were in the recipe? I don't even know, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to find out that that was cool. I, I did appreciate um, his uh, homage to uh, to drinking beer throughout the process. You know, I wondered if some of the beer actually made it into the pie, um, <laughs> you know, because because uh, the beer that David Carl likes is like very high in, in percentile. Uh, I, I go back to zombies in a manger. Um Back on the uh, inner squad scrimmage, I uh, made the brilliant move of having a glass of that minus anything else in my stomach, and uh, you know I was kind of holding on for dear life. You know, it wasn't until the potatoes actually hit my belly um, that uh, that I was able to like make some sense of what was happening again. <laughs> That's one of my favorite beers. Yeah, shouts shouts to Star for sure. Um, their yummy Cubano sandwich that I'm going to praise all day long on this dang podcast. Um, so, you know, just kind of, I guess, some last thoughts. We're kind of wrapping it up again. You know, thank you to everyone who has throughout the evening kind of jumped into this pod. You can kind of count on the visual being a little bit longer, but again, the, the, um, the actual audio maybe being chopped up into a couple of parts just because we know Maybe you can only listen to about 45 minutes to an hour of a pod at a time. So we'll probably do some experimenting with chopping it up, seeing what that's like. Um, if you just want us to just keep it as one, then we will. But if you're like loving the idea that we're going to break it into part one and two, bring you a, a little bit more of the content within the week, uh, we can definitely do that. Um, you guys have like any last thoughts, anything that you want to say before we wind it up and get out of here? Um, I just hope everybody's social distancing and, you know, staying safe and healthy and, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Jeremy, what, right. what about you? Yeah, I'm, I, we social distance, but that we also pay attention to each other. So let's think about those people that maybe we don't talk to as much that maybe aren't as, you know, in the, the forefront of our mind, they're really great people out there that you have a little bit more time to reach out to. Make them feel special too. Say thank you for their uh, presence in your life. And uh, with that, thank you guys for your presence, letting me be here. And uh, you know, keep trucking, keep keep bringing these good ideas to the forefront. I appreciate it. And uh, I am definitely in favor of chopping podcasts in in chunks. Right on. Uh, that's what I like. <laughs> We'll definitely experiment with that. Um, I just want to say, yeah, again, you know, this was a fun podcast to do. Um, you know, we we definitely wanted to to get back in front of a, a live platform. And, um, you know, this is going to be fun to to obviously bring on different guests and to uh, be interactive. Thank you for everyone who's posted comments uh, in, in the chat. Um, definitely go to the YouTube channel, uh, Seek and Strike Collective, and subscribe to that channel. Uh, we would love to um, start building that basis there. Um, I'll be putting up the videos from the Kalen Ryden 
interview that we did, as well as the Chris Weehan uh, interview. I'll be posting those videos um, as well. And today we dropped out the uh, the Chris Weehan interview, uh, which is linked at uh, which is linked on the the Facebook page as well as on the Instagram bio. It's on Twitter as well. Um, so, uh, where can people find you on the internet, Alicia? Uh, you guys can find me at exclusive underscore Alicia, both on Twitter and Instagram. And on Facebook, you can find me under Alicia Arias. All right. And Jeremy, if folks want to get a hold of you to hear more of your <laughs> thoughts, uh, because you are the resounding gong, where can folks find you on the internet? Oh goodness. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't keep all that kind of press <laughs> credentials like y'all do. Um, I'm just Jeremy Hadamio on Facebook. Uh, I think seven times on, uh, on, uh, Instagram. I don't really keep all the Twitter. I don't want a Twitter. Twitter is for famous people. That's not me. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll just link myself to you guys in some, some capacity. They can find me tailgating. How about that? Hey, I like it. And you can find me at by Chris Walker on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, again, uh, find our content at seekandstrikecollective.com. That's going to do it for us for episode 12 of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. We'll catch you next time. All right. Hey, Seek and Strike listeners. We hope you enjoyed the second part of the series titled Bandwagon or Bust. We'll catch you next week. And remember, always strike while the iron's hot. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.